The word of the Lord from Matthew chapters 9 and 10. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Imagine the scene in some dusty village where nothing unusual ever happens. One day, two ordinary-looking men arrive after a long walk down the road. There's no big show with their arrival, and they stop by the town well for some water. As they sit, they're accosted by that guy who usually keeps to himself out on the edge of town, He's normally a little bit strange, but now he's furious to see these strangers he's never met before. The answer soon becomes apparent. The man is possessed by a demon, which is enough to make most people retreat. Not these two. They cast the demon out like it's no big thing. And then they keep on talking to the man. Well, as the day goes on, a hospitable family invites them in and they stick around town for a few days. And during that time, they tell sick people to be healthy, and the sick people become healthy people. They tell dead people to be alive, and the dead are alive again. They tell lepers to be clean, and the lepers aren't leprous anymore. This, my friends, is the best healthcare system witnessed in the history of the world. It's not just affordable, it's free. These men ask for no gold or silver or even copper. They don't trade an exorcism for a new shoulder bag for the journey, nor do they offer to raise the dead for a mere two tunics or sandals. When they're served the same poor meal as the rest of the family is eating, they don't wrinkle their noses and ask if there's something better. And they could, you know. If they asked families for all of their silver and gold in exchange for an exorcism or a resurrection, no one would bat an eye. People who can raise the dead or deliver from demons can name any price they want. While they accept gifts of food and lodging, these men, though, never put a price on what they do. They give it always freely. And their behavior makes some sense as they speak between miracles. They don't demand payment for the miracles because they don't take credit for them. They have come as representatives of Jesus. He is the one with all the power and authority, and he has given them authority to exercise power on his behalf. He has told them to give health and life freely because they have been freely given too. And what have they been given? They tell the people, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They've been brought into the kingdom of heaven because the king of heaven has come. In heaven, there is no leprosy or death or demon possession. And if you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven, you can't have things like that hanging around your neck. You can't have any sin or corruption about you at all. But rather than say, you can't come into my kingdom, the king takes on flesh and says, I will take those things away so that you can come into my kingdom. And even if the king himself isn't standing in this dusty little village, his sent ones, his apostles say his words, and the effect is the same as if he were there in the flesh. 
Just imagine the scene in that small, dusty village. As two ordinary-looking men arrive without fanfare and start working miracles for free. They declare to all who will hear that they are welcome to enter the kingdom of heaven because the king says so and because the king makes it so. I don't think much could be much more astonishing than that. But here's a close second. Some people don't want to hear it. At times when these men arrive at a village or a home, people do not receive them. The men announce that they have come to bring peace from the king, and the people do not want the king's peace. These apostles are not thugs who are sent to coerce people into the kingdom. When this happens, they walk away. How tragic it will be for those who refuse the peace of the king on the last day when they see what they have rejected. The king goes so far as to die in their place in order to deliver them from sin and death and devil. And instead they opt for an eternity with sin and death and devil rather than with the king. Here's an important question. Given the ministry of these men, what has Jesus given us authority to do? Well, Jesus has given us authority to spread the news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king is still at hand. Jesus is in his means of grace. As we speak his word, it is Jesus who speaks. As we baptize, it is Jesus who baptizes. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, well, it is the Lord's Supper, is it not? He is the host and he is the meal, his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. We have his authority to say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We also have the authority to say that the gates of the kingdom are open to all who believe because Jesus has died for the sins of all and because he is risen from the dead. To all who repent of their sins, we are authorized to say, the kingdom of heaven is open to you. To all who do not repent of their sin, we are authorized to say, there is no sin in the kingdom of heaven, So the gates are closed to you until that sin is gone. So repent, be forgiven so that your sins are taken away, so that the kingdom might be yours too. This is the authority that Jesus has given to the church. And this authority is most publicly exercised by pastors, yes? While pastors carry on the apostolic ministry... It does not mean they have the same authorization as the apostles in Matthew 10. As a pastor, am I authorized to go only to the lost sheep of Israel as the apostles were? No. Jesus has authorized his church and his pastors to discipleize all nations, as we heard in the gospel reading last week. As a pastor... Am I authorized to heal the sick, raise the dead, or cleanse lepers? No, at least not immediately. 
while Jesus gave that authority to the 12 in Matthew 10, he doesn't give that authority to his church or his pastors today. We should be very clear about a couple of points here. First of all, can God still work miracles of healing the sick today? Absolutely, and he does. But he doesn't authorize pastors to heal people immediately on the spot. When someone is sick, I am authorized to speak God's word to them and to pray for them and with them. And where God chooses to work a miracle, thanks be to God, for it is he who does the wonder. Where he provides healing or doesn't, we trust in him and we await the resurrection. The point here is that I'm not authorized to lay hands on the sick with a guarantee of healing them then and there. If I make such a guarantee, I am no longer acting under his authority. If you expect or demand that I lay hands on the sick and heal them immediately, then you are asking me to act outside of the authority that Jesus has given. And I'd best side with Jesus on that one. Now, let's say that some pastor claims that he has powers of healing and actually heals somebody. What shall we say of that? We say that he has not received authority to do so from Jesus because that authority is not found in Jesus' word. Therefore, the question is, from whom has he gotten this authority? Our best certain answer is that it's not from Jesus. At any rate, unlike the apostles, I am not authorized to heal the sick, raise the dead, or cleanse lepers on the spot. Well, next question, am I authorized to cast out demons? The answer is yes. We spend a lot of time doing this. We are engaged in spiritual warfare, aren't we? The devil is always tempting us to do this or that sin, trying to gain a foothold to lure us away from Christ our King. So what do we do? We keep proclaiming that the King is at hand, remember? Christ has defeated the devil at the cross. If Christ is here and our sins are forgiven, then the devil and evil spirits must flee. They don't go very far, just beyond the light hanging around the edge of darkness and waiting to attack again. And that is why we constantly speak and hear God's word. It's why we sing it and meditate upon it. As we wrestle against the principalities and powers of darkness, the Lord gives us one sword, his word. Every absolution, every baptism, every Kyrie and Christian hymn sends demons scurrying for cover the cover of darkness. That's the authority that Jesus gives to us, to speak his word, to forgive the penitent, and to warn the impenitent, which is to engage in spiritual warfare by his grace and by his strength. The next question then, what can we expect? What can we expect as we go about what Jesus has given us authority to do? First off, we expect to live as those redeemed. In the words of Jesus, freely you have received, freely give. The revenue model for a congregation reflects this. 
We set a budget with some big expenses and then we don't charge anything. You give offerings freely out of thanksgiving for all that God has given you. Not because you receive a note that you're behind on your membership dues. We don't have a cover charge for worship. We don't sell sermons or sacraments. Because it is the Lord who is doing the work. And we are merely his instruments under his authority. Although I, for my part, am called to be content and deliver the means of grace to you freely, you are kind enough to heed Jesus' words that a laborer is worthy of wages and thus provide for me and my family. For such kindness I thank you, and I give thanks to God for you. What else can we expect? We can expect that some will gladly hear and rejoice to be forgiven for their sins and added to the kingdom of heaven. And as the angels rejoice with each repentant sinner, so should we. We can also expect that many will reject the peace of Jesus and even oppose the message we have to say. We walk in the steps and under the authority of Jesus, and the world put him on a cross. The disciples served under the authority of Jesus, and nearly all of them were martyred. So God grant his mercy upon us, so that we are constantly aware that we are sheep in the midst of wolves, and that we are only preserved because of Christ, the Good Shepherd, who has died for our sins, who has risen again, and who rules over all things for our good. God, further preserve us in this confidence during times of plenty and peace, as well as times of famine and trouble. Finally, God grant that we be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. In other words, knowing that we face the opposition of the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh, we seek to act with wisdom. We do not pick needless fights but we do speak and make our voice heard. And when we know that such speaking will cost us, we still go forward like an innocent sacrificial dove, trusting that the Lord will give us the words to speak, deliver us from evil, deliver us from trouble according to his will, and raise us from the dead. So the Lord Jesus promises to do, And he will keep his promises. Remember, after all, that all authority has been given to him. He rules over all things forever and for your good. And as you and I go about speaking his word within our callings, we have the confidence that we have his blessing because we are under his authority. Where we are blessed, all thanks to him. Where we suffer for his name's sake, we give thanks that his enemies connect us to him and treat us the same as they treated him. And all the time we rejoice to hear the king of heaven declare, My kingdom is at hand, and you are among my people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.